Boy, that was awkward. I don't mind the cemetery. In fact, now I see why people like golf. It's just nice to be outside in a well-landscaped area. What were you saying to the Rosses over there, anyway? Oh, man, I don't know. I, I told them her death takes place in the shadow of new life. She's not really dead if we find a way to remember her. What is that? Star Trek II. Wrath the Con! Hey, Kramer and I saw it last night. Spock dies, they wrap him up in a towel, and they shoot him out the bowels of the ship in that big sunglasses case. That's a hell of a thing when Spock died. Yeah. What does the future hold for you? Well, the Spock character, as you can imagine, opened up my life, personally and creatively. Created great opportunities for me to do work that I, that I chose to do rather than work that I had to do for, to make a living. I had choices for the first time in many years, and still, to this day, I consider it uh, a great opportunity, a blessing to live a, a creative life, to live a life that has to do with finding ideas and developing them and, and expressing ideas, and hopefully making a contribution to the human condition. Now, that may sound pompous, but it's real for me, very real for me. When I chose to be an actor, it was not because I wanted to be famous, but because I wanted to make a contribution. Purpose. I thought I had something to offer and something that might be useful, and I wanted to, I wanted to get it out there. And I came across, eventually, a piece of writing that expresses the artistic condition, I think, brilliantly. It says, Edwin Booth, the actor, heard the solemn whisper of the god of all arts. He said, I shall give you hunger and pain and sleepless nights. Also, beauty and satisfaction known to few and glimpses of the heavenly life. None of these shall you have continually, and of their coming and going, you shall not be foretold. And that to me sums up the life of a creative person. Ladies and gentlemen, live long and prosper. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad uh, About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week, we talk movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and break down a chosen movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we'll try and warn you before heading into spoiler territory. Stay tuned till the end for weekly recommends, in which each of us suggests something you need to check out. As soon as possible. And remember, you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're talking about Will Smith and Focus. I can't stand it. So what about the big con? You mean the one where we make so much money we all retire? You see, there's a science to getting people to trust you. It's all about emotion, connection. There's no room for heart in this game. It'll get you killed. I'm putting the over under on times I make a this movie lacked focus joke <laughs> at six. Ah. That's why they. That's why I get the big bucks. That's why I'm a pro. <laughs> that's why I was ranked on uh, Buzz Fee. It's a. 
it's a website that people go to when they misspell BuzzFeed, but I was ranked eighth <laughs> best third wheel co- comic relief side kick on a podcast. Well, so. good. This movie did have was plenty of rack focus. Huh? <laughs> did you notice that? Pl- plenty uh, of rack focus in this movie. <laughs> hey, yeah, guys. Focus, hey, yeah. hey d- director of photography, this movie is called Focus. <laughs> so if you could put people in and out of focus as much as you possibly can. That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah. And that just starts our review uh, of this of this movie. This is one that I uh, was scared about. Uh, trailers seem very Now You See Me. And um, I'm excited to talk about this one just because of the fact that we can compare it directly to Now You See Me. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> what should we think come up with a better name for our listeners? You know what? Email in. Uh, madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com where there's a little uh, contact thing on the on madaboutmoviespodcast.com but uh, email in if you can and uh, give us suggestions on what to call the listeners oh. I, I don't want to say you know I don't, like madheads or something like that but uh, sure. I think the, the madheads are going to be that's what I'm throwing out there right now are going to be super excited for uh, more now you see me related talk that's a good call for for now, they're madheads. Okay. Uh, if you can top madheads, top mad email heads. us. But Brian, yeah, yeah. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm here. Good. I'm, I, I should tell the listener the madheads. Excuse me. Oh. I'm having like major technical issues, so this may be like my worst episode of all time. I I apologize. Well, that's gonna be hard to do. I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard to top like last week. So <laughs> now, last well, week I felt pretty good. Uh, it was probably like, you know, all the, I don't know, maybe the 15 straight weeks before that, perhaps, something yeah. like that. It has been a while, fellas, since we have all three been together and done a normal episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. So lots, lots, lots to do and get to this evening. We have American Treasures to nominate this week. It is the first uh, episode of the month of March. And so, of course, American Treasures are in order. Um, plenty of great weekly recommends to get to. I know we didn't do those last week in our Oscar episode, so uh, we're going to make up for that absence. And of course, movie news, rumors, rumblings to get to as well. Some juicy ones this week. But before we do that, guys, we have a little house cleaning uh, to take care of. So house cleaning music, please. Oh, yeah. That was a jam, Ken. So last last week, um, I officially announced uh, prior to our uh, review of the Oscars, we now fully accept donations on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And much to my surprise, within minutes, literally, of posting the episode last week, we had people already donating to the cause. Lots of people, yeah. Lots Greatness. of people. Uh, very surprising. Uh, once again, if you just go to our website and, and uh, right in the middle of the, the homepage there, there's a donate button. It's real simple. You can either check a predetermined amount uh, to donate or you can fill in the amount uh that you choose to donate. If you want to choose uh, more or less than the predetermined amounts, that's perfectly fine. Every dollar that you donate helps. And uh, we would like to, like we promised, uh, shout out to the people that uh, have already donated to the cause. And uh, so, Richard, take it away. Yeah, and I'd like to say before that that uh, we're not getting, we, we are not and we'll never get rich off this money. Right. Uh, but we, uh, the, sh- the show costs us money. And by us, I mean, we mean Kent. <laughs> and so we would like to take that burden off of Kent. I think that's the main objective, right? So just so you guys know, right. this all this money goes towards 
server space and website fees and uh, a little bit a little bit for cocaine and and just to preface and movie tickets just movie to, tickets. just to preface we um, as of this week after a week of, of having donations on the site we're about a third away to our yearly goal yeah of our goal for the entire year to fund uh, our servers and uh, website and such so uh, almost there and uh, once again, the people who have donated are greatly appreciated. But yeah, so if you haven't some... donated and you and you want to, uh, feel free. Go ahead, Richard. And we here's, will shout you out if you do. But go here's ahead. Here's the the biggest donations of the week are a uh, a first a twenty five dollar donation, Ooh, guys. Twenty five dollars. Wow. And, and think about it this way: when you're donating money, it's think of it per episode. You know, we've right. got almost 150 of these things now. You think, and then it's minuscule. We're providing an hour and a half of content for under a dollar at this point, right? Uh, so you know, but for a wonderfully generous donation, twenty-five dollars by Kirsten Geens, uh, who's written us some fun emails and stuff as well. Always feel free to contact the show. We try to get to everybody uh, when we can. But uh, twenty-five dollar donation from Kirsten Geens, another twenty-five dollar donation from Craig Chatfield. So thank Craig. you, Craig. What thank up? you, Kirsten. I think I said Kirsten last time. My apologies. Kirsten, obviously. Uh, another $25 donation from Greg Duncan or Gregory Duncan. So thank you. And we have a $15 donation from Gordon Beetle. Thank Gordon. you, Gordon. One of my favorite listeners. Gordon. Yeah. Gordon. So you know. Gordy. From across the pond, right? Yeah. No, Gordon's from here. Oh, is he? Um, I just assume with a name like Gordon. But that's just. I think Dan Newman is our buddy in England. Okay. And Dan, you still haven't donated. I'm watching you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, we will shout you out if you donate. We will call you out if you donate. <laughs> yes. And a $10 donation uh, from Michael Doyle. So uh, thank you guys so much. And we've got some, some other yes. ones as well. But yeah, send, if you send a 10 or $15 donation, we will read you happily. Um, and we, we, should, we will probably set up some. Should we set up some other things? Like uh, you know, for a hundred dollars, you get to review a podcast with us sure, online. Sure. Should we? You want to do that? Let's set that as an objective. Sure, a hundred. So, I'll just go ahead and say it right now: hundred dollar donation, you can be on a podcast and review a movie of your choice with us. How about that? So uh, one that we haven't already done, of course, unless it's now you see me and you'd like to revisit that or MacGruber. <laughs> And uh, we'll do that. But yeah, movie of your choice, donate a hundred bucks and you'll have your own podcast with us and uh, it'll be on the web for everyone to hear. So I'll go ahead and make that uh, that claim. I've got one more here too. Go ahead. For a $250 donation, you can come on the show and review a movie of your choice along with us as long as you have Skype or a way to contact and you will get one of our first microphones. That we recorded. Yeah. The original episode was all signed by the three of us. So for $250, yes. uh, one of our original microphones and uh, a movie of your per- choice. Sound good? That is a great deal. Okay. How could you pass that up? Yeah. Original. You know I'll go, I'll go as history. far as to say if you're from the Dallas area and you donate that money, you, we'll, we'll record it live in the studio, do a video version of the show like we did for our uh, end of the year episode, throw that on YouTube so there will be video proof that you actually got to hang out. With the crew, we'll take you out afterwards. To uh, by the end of the week, you will be more famous than we are. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so two fifty, you get the signed microphone and uh, all that good stuff. So yeah, in Dallas area, we'll we'll think of some other great thing for you. Not that we expect anyone to donate that much money, 
but we will throw things at you if you do and call you the greatest listener ever. But donate what you can. If it's 50 cents, it helps. It's just the show is, uh, you know, it's, it's not expensive, but it does cost money and we love doing it, but uh, not that much. No, of course. <laughs> we, love, we would do it for free, but luckily, thanks to you guys, we don't have to. And once again, I will say that the T-shirts are going to be eventually on the website. Uh, we're still looking into the best way to do that. Um, Mad About Movies logo on the shirt. Uh, a funny catchphrase on the back, of course. Yeah. Um, now you see. It's going to say, "I something hilarious." I watch now. You see me with Mad About Movies or something like that. <laughs> um, can't wait for that. But so, shout out to those people. Yeah. And um, I want to shout out to a few two people real fast um, who have reviewed the show on iTunes and given us five star reviews. And once again, if you can't donate, you don't have any money. We understand a lot of students and such listening to the show. Uh, you can barely afford ramen, and you're probably never going to um, give any of that lack of money to us. So uh, an iTunes review goes a very long way for uh, the growth of our show and getting our show's name out there and everything. So if you like what you hear, um, you're always welcome to go leave a five-star review on iTunes, and that is almost just as appreciated as a, any donation that you could make. So um, we've gotten some great ones in the past just few days here of people who have just discovered Mad About Movies, and I want to... I want to shout out those people just real fast. I want to say thank you to Elite13, who left us five stars and says, First off, I'd just like to thank this group of guys, as this was the first podcast that has become a must week to week for me. Excellent awesome. insight and hilarious commentary. So thank you, Elite13. I wish I knew your name. Uh, but thank you. And I want to say thank you to Tim Fisher, who left us a review today, actually. And he says, I love this podcast. Smart, funny. Same sense of humor as me, my sister, and my best friend. I feel like I'm talking to them uh, when I listen to this podcast like uh, we usually do after the movies we watch. And by the way, I don't got friends. I got family. Yes. Nice. Now, on that same note, how hot is your sister? (laughs) Please send a pic uh, of your sister. Um, Preferably if she could do it so you don't have to see it beforehand. Yeah, and, and uh, let's, send it and right of on. Of course, obviously, if she's you know of, of uh, an age that we would be attracted to her, and uh, she's, just, if she's fourteen, just don't worry, this never happened. Just a reminder to all our female listeners out there that uh, I, Kent, am the only one of us who's single. So yes, that's a, that's why I ask. I'm setting you up. Man. <laughs> Appreciate that. I forgot to leave that. I forgot to say that part. That is crucial. It's but, for my my main man, Kent. That does it for house cleaning this week, guys. Uh, so let's move on. Let's talk a little bit of movie news. Movie news. Yes. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Richard, you've become the movie news guru oh, of the wow, show. Yeah. And I believe there's some movie news that applies more to you and Brian than it does to myself, although I like to uh, claim it does. That involves um, our favorite person. In yeah. history, I'm mad about movies, Mr. Will Forte. Orville Willis Forte the Fourth. Right, right. So break the news. Break the news for the madheads. So uh, we've had a lot of Will Forte content online. I, I, I really yeah. recommend the Grantland piece on him. And we will probably talk a little more Will Forte, I'm guessing, between the three of us during Weekly Recommends. Um, but uh, because of Last Man on Earth, which came out this week on Fox, Mr. Forte has been doing a lot of uh, press work. Yeah. And, and also, if you're a new listener to the show, we don't think this is the biggest new movie news of the week. We're going to get there, but Mr. Will Forte is the patron saint of this podcast, so that just needs to be said. But uh, it looks like MacGruber 2 is priority number one, and it, the cast 
is excited and uh it looks like they've all signed on Kristen Wiig, Val Kilmer at all and uh that's what do you guys think? You excited? Oh, really? Val Kilmer signed on. Uh, they said the I really cast. I didn't know that. I thought it was just uh Forte expressing his interest to make, Did you uh, see make the, the sequel. The piece online. Yeah, no, the the cast is is all in, but the uh the piece online that the first idea instead of Last Man on Earth was going to be a like best friends show starring Val Kilmer and Will Forte. And they were going to play themselves as best friends. <laughs> oh that was gosh. the first idea for the show. Because apparently Val Kilmer just came. Uh, there's a quote by Forte that says Val Kilmer was looking to buy a house in Malibu. And he came up to stay with Will Forte while he did in L.A. And he ended up staying for like two months. And they just lived together for two months last year. It's <laughs> incredible. Just to be a fly so. on the wall there. <laughs> Good grief. I'm sure we'll talk more about uh, Last Man on Earth and Le- Week Recommends yeah. uh, specifically. But, uh, Brian, what are your reactions to um, now confirmation that MacGruber 2 will happen maybe in the next year or so? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, they said they're going to write it now that now that Phil Forte just finished last week uh, editing the last Last Man on Earth. It is now what he will look, look to make. You know what? Yeah, hopefully he makes it now because – and again, we'll – talk about it more uh at the end of the show but it looks like last man on earth is gonna go for a few seasons here yeah. at least you know really so yeah. that'll take up a lot of his time that he would be could be could be spending on mcgruber so that's my only concern uh brian what are but what are your uh thoughts on now like i said the confirmation of mcgruber it's awesome. I just I I tweeted at him uh, yesterday and and said, "Hey, we've got a uh, we've got a prequel idea for you. Whenever you're whenever you're ready." So, <laughs> Ooh. I may, one of these days, may, uh, maybe I'll just keep bombarding him. I'll just be that obnoxious uh, Twitter guy, and and maybe we can we can get our our idea across. To him. No, I don't, I don't maybe think... we just put the script together and send it to him. See what happens. Sure. I don't think uh, that this prequel idea has been fully fleshed out for the the listener here. And I'm kind of curious <laughs> as to what it is as well. So if you could delve more into that idea for right now for me, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, so what it, is absolutely. It? It's yeah, Richard, you tell because uh, I don't remember all the details anymore. I've got it written down somewhere, but well, the, the main gist is pretty simple. It, it's kind of an Expendables t- style. Um, <laughs> I'm already movie. in. So the first idea is. Um, is essentially placing McGruber into uh, into uh, the Expendables, but right. if that can't be done, not Will um, Forte, McGruber. Yeah, just McGruber. Yeah, it's like Stallone, Statham, Schwarzenegger, Lee, Terry Crews, McGruber. Like he acts, <laughs> he's in character nonstop. So we got talking about that idea, and the best part of McGruber, and it's, it's a hard thing to say, is um, the part where he rounds up Frank Corver, Tut Beamer, Vernon Freedom, Tug Phelps, Tanker yeah. Lutz, yeah. Rick Hughes, right? And uh, so Brian and I decided, I want to watch the movie of them coming together. So I think you do, like, first Gulf War and you get a full buddy movie of McGruber and, like I said, Frank Corver, Tut Beamer, Vernon Freedom, Tug Phelps, Tanker Lutz, and break use and you <laughs> and you put them together just it's a war movie with those those guys because when they die in the first one i was like that's hilarious that they died the way they did 
spoiler alert, but I want a whole movie of them and MacGruber just wrecking yeah. people in like the jungle of Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, and and Val Kilmer and he are on the same team. Yeah. Oh, point. yeah. At this point, yeah. It, this, this is point, kind of the Dieter, genesis of of uh, how they yeah they fall Val apart. Kilmer Dieter turns at the end, right? But we get the whole we, most of the time they're fighting. They're united against yeah. You know, they're best else. friends, just wearing <laughs> UTEP jerseys, and just yeah. As awesome. long as we get a sequence of McGrew playing tight end for the University of Texas El Paso, <laughs> I'm down. He Absolutely. was the starting tight end. He was. <laughs> didn't didn't you say you got a UTEP jersey with McGrew on the back? I, didn't somebody we know I, do that? I've looked at them. I haven't ever pressed order, but uh, <laughs> has to happen. Even Beardo, Christmas. From, Beardo from the old radio show. Uh, has McGruber UTEP custom a, a McGruber themed license plates and a UTEP license plate frame. Oh yeah, it says groups, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, because KFBR three nine two was taken. Yeah, <laughs> somebody beat us to that one. But that's great news. That's uh, that's awesome news. But let's get to the big smashing so yeah. news so of the week. That's big news in the uh, Mad About universe. But in the other universe. The only other universe in cinema, uh, the two big ones are the Mad About uh, universe and now uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Uh, we've got Spider-Man, director and date. It looks like it's not going to be Sinister Six, right? Am I, I'm like the least comic book official. Uh, no, it's Sinister Six is still happening, that's, that's, I believe. That's, that's a DC. I mean, that's a, a Sony property. What's um, the uh, – oh, okay. Because the director they brought in to do yeah. that, which is the one where Spider-Man shows up? You guys have to help me here. I'm, I'm, it's Sinister Six. It is, yeah, okay. but it's... Because um, that director was originally talked to about that at Sony, but now apparently he's moved over with the project to do the Marvel Spider-Man standalone. Okay, right. The Marvel Spider-Man standalone is being released uh, in 2017, and the official title I've seen is The Spectacular Spider-Man. Ugh. And uh, that's... Pretty awful. I was hoping for uh, Superior Spider-Man, which is yeah. the, the comic series that's going around right now. It's pretty uh-huh. great. Racist. Um, sorry the about race. all the Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. about just um, the new Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like this one won't have an origin story. We promise Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it will. It, it yeah. definitely will. You know what? And that's what I wanted to talk I hope about. They really with this change it, like yeah. You know, he was a delinquent kid. You know, had a, a couple drug problems, and then was you know had relations with a spider or so. I don't know. I just want something different. <laughs> Maybe not that far. But. <laughs> no, I want to see that part. I want to vividly see it in a Disney film. When when uh when Marvel announced that they had acquired the the rights to do Spider-Man in their MCU, uh, their cinematic universe. They said they wanted to focus more on Spider-Man's times in high school. And this is why I just don't, I just don't care. I want to see him be Spider-Man. Yeah, you're right. I think they'll make him be Spider-Man like while in high school, which I've seen like animated stuff on that before. And it actually is, it can't work Yeah, because it, what it'll do is kind of make him, what he does join with Avengers is kind of like, It'll it'll be an easy role for that character to fit into kind of the apprentice intern role. No, yeah, you're right. It's just I I just hope they don't take a step back as far as where we are now in the story. And I realize that it's a completely different studio, different 
franchise, really. But I just don't want them to hit the reset button and be like, okay, now Spider-Man's going to go to school. Oh, he has to meet Mary Jane. Oh, Gwen Stacy's in the picture now. Okay, now we have to witness the death of Uncle Ben. Like, I think you can do... You can start it off where he's already Spider-Man and all the origin story stuff can be done in flashbacks and things like that. You just don't have to spend an hour and a half of this first movie before the third act telling that story. I just hope that's not what happens. And, uh, you know, if he's in uh, Captain America Civil War here pretty soon and if he's in Avengers 2 then maybe that won't happen. Maybe they'll just kind of throw him into this universe because everyone knows who Spider-Man is already, and that's kind of what I hope. But I just mm-hmm. I just can't stand – I can't take another hour and a half, like I said, of adolescent Spider-Man. I just, I just can't do it. But, Brian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't want it. I don't <laughs> – I man, I hate that Spider-Man has become such a beating because I yeah. love Spider-Man. I love that character. I just – I've said before, I just think it's so easy to do and I don't understand why it hasn't been done correctly. So Yeah, and it's it, weird it, they're it, doing it with the cast of Glee this time <laughs> at that high school. Yeah. Uh, but just – yeah, I, we all know the origin story and if you don't, you can go watch a movie that came out like four years ago and and rediscover the origin story. Just jump in and go. We don't – I just feel Uncle like Uncle Ben lives, right? I just don't remember. <laughs> His teeth do. And Martin Sheen's <laughs> teeth do. I don't know. Just respect the viewer and trust that we're going to know what uh, a little bit about this property, you know, this I don't know, third biggest superhero ever before we walk into the theater and and do something different and interesting and fun. Yeah. And we should mention that the director we're speaking of is Drew Goddard, and yeah. and he brought us Cabin in the Woods back in 2012, which was on my top ten of the year in 2012. I really liked that. He that was a and joint, he works with Joss well, yeah, that, yeah. That was a joint venture with Joss Whedon, so it was kind of a natural uh, fit there uh, to go with Goddard for for the new Spider-Man film. Uh, it also says here he's directing Sinister Six. I don't know if he's pulled out of that project. Did you say that he did pull out of that? Um, Richard, yeah. I think he's doing both. That's okay. the oh, last really? I had seen. That's okay. the last I had seen. I'm not by any well because I know he it. had um, he had agreed to direct the uh, Daredevil series that's about to premiere here on Netflix right within the next couple of months. But he dropped out of the director role of that, and he's just an executive producer of that series now. And so maybe it's sort of the same thing here. Maybe he's just going to sort of stay on Sinister Sticks as an advisor and and uh, focus his efforts on Spider-Man. Uh, 2017 is two years away, so uh, he's got to be working on it already, you know, you would think. But um, I guess we'll have to see or get confirmation uh, for that rumbling uh, at a later date. But that's some big news. We have some other sequel news, guys. In this sort of same vein, more science fiction than comic book, uh, there's a film that came out in the 1980s that has become a cult classic. And uh, it's directed by a person we've dis- discussed many a times uh, on this show. And uh, his name is Ridley Scott. Um, and it's one of his more celebrated properties. Uh, not one that he's really embraced as much as, say, Alien uh, over the past couple years. Uh, but the fan bases have spoken and begged for years for a uh, sequel to be made to Blade Runner. And now we actually have confirmation that a Blade Runner sequel will happen. 
mm-hmm. uh, within the next couple of years with Harrison Ford returning in the role uh, of the Blade Runner. So big news for Blade Runner fans. Yeah. You a Blade Runner fan, Brian? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Blade Runner is sci-fi royalty to me. Like That's one of the most influential and best sci-fi films ever. And, uh, and Harrison Ford's fantastic in it. And Ridley Scott really, like Alien's great, but, but Blade Runner kind of stands out as a, just kind of a sci-fi masterpiece in a lot of ways. And uh, so it does not need a sequel at, at, at all. Like there's no, there's no reason for that other than Ridley Scott is kind of in a get them checks mode at this point. Yeah, well, Ridley Scott is not directing it. I know, but and, you know uh, he's making bank. Oh, sure. Oh, I mean, sure. And he has, same with yeah. the Alien prequel or sequel that we'll talk about next week, I think. Yes. Uh, so, really, Scott says he wasn't sure if he was ever going to return to do it. He has other priorities. Um, biblical epics. <laughs> um, <laughs> he has an Exodus, Gods and Kings sequel to work on, I'm sure. No, hopefully not. Maybe a sequel to The Counselor. I'm hoping for that. Grief. (laughs) Is that a role? But the director we have confirmed is Oscar nominee Dennis Villeneuve, who brought us the the film we reviewed last year, Prisoners. And uh, this guy has talent. I I thought the directing was one of the best parts of of Prisoners. This guy has an eye for great, uh, great cinema. So I have a little hope here. And he has a movie coming out this year called Sicario uh, that stars Emily Blunt. And, of course, he had a movie called Enemy last year that starred Jake Gyllenhaal that I've heard uh, decent things about. So uh, Blade Runner sequel is happening. And uh, an an Alien sequel is happening, too, which we'll talk about next week, of course. But um, Here's the the issue with the Blade Runner sequel. Have you guys seen that movie? I actually watched it yesterday and okay. uh so yeah yes great movie. I'm, I'm stealing a point directly from uh from our friend jason we talked about this yesterday so jason if you're listening thanks for the uh thanks for the point but one of the best one of the things that makes that movie so great is the the closing chapter where it leaves it's 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 uh it's ambiguous and it leaves it open as to whether or not harrison ford's character is is a replicant, yeah, which is yeah. the big thing, and that's it's 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 fantastic because, and I really I'm just stealing this directly from Jason. So get your own podcast, Jason, and then you can make these points. Um, the reason that's so great is because it never asked the question. It just kind of like an hour later, you're thinking about it, and you start to wonder, wait, was he a replicant the whole time? And and it's just such a it's so well done. By if the way, sequel, for, for those who haven't seen it, replicant yeah. meaning artificial intelligence. Go ahead, right. Yeah, the the android. It, yeah. it, see Blade Runner. Please go see yes. Blade Runner. If you do a sequel to that and you have Harrison Ford star in the sequel, then it answers that question. And that's – to me, that, that, that kind of cheapens – I don't know, cheapens, but it, it messes with the legacy of the original film because it, that's part of its, its charm and its – beauty is that you don't know the answer to that question you can think you know the answer to the question but you don't definitively have that answer from the director from the filmmaker from the script you know whatever if he comes back as a he if he comes back for the sequel he will either look the same and therefore he is a replicant or he will not look the same and therefore he is a human and that that to me that that messes with 
with the entire integrity of of the original film. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Not not a not a fan of this this decision here. To me, this movie, if you're gonna make a sequel, I mean, this begs for a reboot. If anything, uh, a Agreed. new envisioning. Don't you don't have to bring Harrison Ford back to this movie I to totally this agree. franchise. Yeah, Chris you, Pratt is out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, when you talk about Indiana Jones and you talk about making another Indiana Jones, like Spielberg's like, man, I really want Chris Pratt for this new Indiana Jones movie. You don't have, like, I feel a lot worse about uh, replacing Indy, Indiana Jones than I do about the Blade Runner. You know, it just, I just don't connect Harrison Ford as much with that role as I do Indiana Jones. And I know I don't want to make this into an Indiana Jones conversation, but it just doesn't feel like I need Harrison Ford in this. This could be a no, a, a hot young, you know, a Bradley Cooper, somebody could, could jump into this universe. Maybe it's Harrison Ford's son and you have flashbacks to Harrison Ford or you have maybe Harrison Ford as a cameo, but it doesn't, maybe that's what it ends up being. Who knows? But I, I just don't see why it has to be starring Harrison Ford. Uh, this is a perfect property to reboot, if not, uh, make a sequel to and, um, make it something completely different and new other than, like you said, just kind of, piggyback on the other one and uh, continue that story, which ended so well. I mean, it ends on a really high note where it kind of lends itself to a sequel the way it right. ends. It's not something that I'm begging for, but, you know, I'll see it. Now, we're getting a Mad Max sequel this year, so, I mean, there's... It's just about any any sci-fi property of the past 30, 40 years is going to sure. eventually get its uh, get its return to... yeah. The millennials will get their right. their version and I, and that's, of that, and that's great because we are in a great age for sci-fi, which is huge for me because I I love science fiction and and I always have and I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. Uh, I just this is one of those movies that's like this, that one doesn't need to be touched. Like yeah. we don't need a Jaws reboot, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we don't. There are certain movies that Speak for just yourself, leave them man. alone. <laughs> just leave them. I mean, we have Sharknado. We don't really need Jaws. <laughs> no. um, I don't know. I just I feel like. This is one of those cases, and I, I don't feel like I'm the, the the one who will get the most like up in arms about sequels or prequels or reboots or anything like that. I just kind of take that as part of the business. But this is one of those where like just leave it alone, don't touch it. Hundred percent agree. Well, guys, it is the first episode of the month, and it's time for American Treasures. <laughs> So for the new Madheads out there, the way this works is we have a little Hall of Fame on our website called American Treasures. You can find uh, the entire Hall of Fame there. Just click American Treasures when you go to the site. Uh, these are people who we believe define what is great about American cinema. Most of these people have a sort of comedic background or at least comedic personality to them. And uh, you know, we have a couple requirements here. Uh, they have to be in their field for at least 25 years or 50 years old, and uh, they have to have a sense of humor about themselves. And that's a very broad term, but we'll probably go into more specifics when we bring nominees to the table. And we have three wings in the American Treasure Hall of Fame, uh, the North American Treasures, the Public Figures, and of course, the Standard uh, American Treasures. So... Fellas, let's bring uh, let's bring some heat to the table. I'm going to start off with Richard Barden this week. 
Okay, here's one that's been on my list for a while. Um, I've gotten actually a few email suggestions on it as well, so a few listeners will be happy. Um, it's someone that I think if we were doing a list like this 10 years ago, we definitely probably have gotten on sooner because there's a little more the peak was building up to it. certainly five years ago. This person probably would have been an immediate American treasure. Like first billing 10 years ago would have gotten in sooner, but now it's kind of become like passe again in a weird way. Um, but she's someone that's been a, a wonderful comedic actress in a variety of different parts or a variety of decades and still at a very advanced age has a great sense of humor about herself. I'm talking about American treasure, Betty White. Oh, okay. So, for the listeners that don't know, uh, Golden Girls, one of my favorite shows ever. Still watch it. It's on on Saturday and Sundays <laughs> on TV Land. I always try to get these two knotheads to watch it. They won't. Tony, it's still one of the best written sitcoms ever, and it's a, a lot of people that did, went on to do Modern Family and Arrested Development and other shows. But uh, hilarious show. And uh, Betty White hosted SNL when she was like 92 or something. It, it was great. <laughs> yeah. And uh, who doesn't enjoy her weird sense of humor about herself? So uh, I, I don't expect much of a fight on this one. So you guys go ahead. You know what? That's actually a great, great candidate. And I actually had written her on my list last week when we yeah, watched she, the Oscars. She, she's she almost so Oscars. obvious. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, yeah, it's weird. She, um, you know what? I can't, I mean, think about Somebody who stayed as relevant as she has for as long as she has. I mean, good grief. We're going on, what, 60 years or something of of Betty White being a, a household name? I mean, Absolutely. I mean, of course, Golden Girls is her, what she's known for, but, I mean, she's been an actress forever. Yeah. Uh, let's look at her earliest credit here on the old IMDb. That's how you and, say it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's IMDb, actually. Oh, uh, okay. IMDb. <laughs> And let's look at her earliest credit. I mean, it's got to be in the 1940s or so. I mean, how old is she? she... 1945. There you wow. go. So, wow. Um, Just about 18 years before, like, the first Beatles record. <laughs> <laughs> Just to put it in perspective, yeah. Yeah. World War II had just literally ended when she started acting. So <laughs> uh, that's pretty. that's pretty impressive in itself. I mean, the credits speak for themselves, as far as I, I'm concerned. Carol Burnett, Tyler Moore. Carol Burnett show, the yeah. Betty White show. She had her own show for a while. Uh, Love Boat uh, was greatness. Uh, Golden Girls, of course. And Golden Palace, the, the, the little-known spinoff starring. Have you guys, do you guys <laughs> know about Golden Palace? Don't click on it, Ken. I thought it was a gambling website, is it not? Yeah. <laughs> the Golden Palace is the Golden Girls minus Dorothy. Uh uh, well, I'm out. And, well, Dorothy is the best <laughs> one. Dorothy's great, but so no B. Arthur, and they go to run a hotel, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, they're running. Okay, yeah. And hold on, don't look at it, guys, because it's too funny. Do not look at it. So it's uh, it's the three other Golden Girls besides B. Arthur, Estelle Getty, Betty White, and yeah, Rue McClanahan, and they uh, they run this hotel. And what actor? replaces B. Arthur and acts with them. Went on to great fame. Ooh. Give me a little hint. Brian, are you looking? You no, look I'm not looking. I, I this is in my brain somewhere <laughs> and I can't I can't um, figure it out. He's one of the Ocean's Eleven. 
Yes. Okay. I got it. Don Cheadle. Yeah. It is Don Cheadle and the three <laughs> other Golden Girls, and they run a hotel. Oh, and Cheech Marin of Cheech and, and Chong Cheech. fame. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. It's a show that was only on for a year, but should just always be in rerun somewhere. Wow. Because who wouldn't watch that, right? Yeah. But it switched networks. It went from like NBC to CBS and became Golden Palace. But yeah. Um, and then obviously later on with Hot in Cleveland, um, a yeah. masterpiece of modern television. No, but I think uh, you're forgetting Betty White's Off Their Rockers, her <laughs> yeah. hidden camera show. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like the last few years, she's kind of become so omnipresent that it's like not as cool to like Betty White. But I'm still going to say she's an American treasure. I bet she's worth a crap ton. Yeah. I'm seeing here, and I need to look this up because I didn't get to see it because I, um, believe it or not, don't follow WWE. But she was on WWE Raw as Betty White. <laughs> I want to see her wrestling the big show. Wow. Yeah, like this awesome. year. Yeah. <laughs> Man. But that's greatness. But she gets my vote, Betty White. Okay. Brian? Brian, not that it matters. Yeah. But I, for the record. I know. I have nothing nothing but good things to say. So two-thirds majority, by the way. Yes. yes. We got to get to that point. But – we do have a special it, – it's great if you can get all three. Unanimous is, is important. Uh, yeah, no, she's got my vote. She, I think she like embodies the sense of humor about oneself that we so treasure for American treasures. So Betty White all the way. And if you look, there's a, a subtle nod to her. If you look at my Twitter profile, it says I'm from St. Olaf, Minnesota, which is a fictional place where she was from on Golden Girls. Nice. Boom. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring – so that confirms it. American okay. treasure, Betty White. She's going to look right. good in the vest. She is. We're going to have to get a female-formed one because we, we uh, don't have any of those. We have to get them custom-made. Right. Yeah. But uh, we, we, I should think really, we should send her that one for real. Like, she might wear it. I don't <laughs> just, just The, uh, the female out. wing of our American treasures is still needs a lot of flushing out, and we're, we're working on that. But uh, it's pretty strong. That's a good four or five women I would definitely want to hang out with. Yeah. Especially all at once. And it will only grow. Like we have, we've talked before. Like Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, these people we love so much. And <laughs> yeah, they still meet the age requirement. Yeah, they'll be there. Don't worry about it. I had actually a female to bring to the table, but Richard kind of spoiled it already. He already mentioned her in his Betty White um, spiel there. So I'll say oh, it she for was. Um, day. She was. I think I know what you're talking about. She was yeah. potentially one of mine that I was going to bring yeah, today. Too. Yeah, uh, but I'll say that for another day. But I'll keep Sweet. it sort of relevant to Betty White here, age wise. And I'm going to bring somebody to the table who, who uh, is responsible for an entire generation of fiction. Uh, this is somebody who spawned literally an entire industry single-handedly. Uh, he's lent his hand to basically the past decade and a half of blockbuster cinema, whether he uh, likes to admit it or not. Um, he does receive credit for a lot of it, but this is a pioneer in his industry – this is a hundred percent person who has a sense of humor about himself. And uh, when I say his name, you'll probably agree with me guys. I bring to the table this week, American treasure, Stan Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did Brian get kicked off? I thought he would want to take it. <laughs> but, so, you there? Yeah. Sorry. I'm here. Go ahead. Sorry. Go you ahead. got me. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Dude, yeah, we. I, I'm surprised it took you this long, Kent. I'm surprised it took you this long to bring Stan Lee to the yeah. table. No, he's he's his uh, impact has been fantastic, and you can't uh, can't undersell what he's what he's meant. And and to us, because 
we all like blockbuster type films. I think me and Kent maybe a little more than Richard, but that's you know we all like that sort of movie. Uh, we I was never a comic book guy, uh, but I knew had a lot of friends who were because you know nerds all hang together, and uh, so. I knew what a what a big impact he had on on those guys. He created some incredible characters, and uh, so yeah, all the way. And, and I love I love his his cameo bit. I think it's really funny, and I love when he just shows up. Yeah, especially like Big Hero Six when he's a painting on the wall, things like that. Like I, I think that's really funny, and I, I enjoy that that bit. Interesting fact about Stan Lee: uh, he's most well known, of course, as the founder of Marvel Comics creator of uh, some iconic franchises and comics such as Spider-Man and the Avengers. But he also ranks currently as the number three highest grossing producer in Hollywood history. Only behind one said Steven Spielberg and, uh, of course, Kathleen Kennedy, who has now taken over Lucasfilm. So Stanley, uh, highest, third highest grossing producer of all time. And he is uh, ahead of the likes of Jerry Bruckheimer, Frank Marshall, and uh, and others like Michael Bay. So, I mean, that just just from Hollywood, he lent he's lent his hand um, as executive producer of all the Marvel films, and of course has made cameos. And so, I think that sort of confirms his sense of humor about himself. But he's just a great person. I, uh, you know, he makes his rounds a lot on the Comic Con uh, circuit. And he's actually scheduled to be at Dallas Comic-Con this coming May, so I might have to make my way out there and stand in line and get him to sign um, a Spider-Man comic or something like that. But uh, just an awesome guy, totally embraces what he's done and, and just really appreciates uh, the um, the fans embracing what he's done. And, you know, he's in his 90s, 92, I believe now, and is just as spry as ever. Him and Betty White have got to be the like the coolest 90-year-olds of all time. <laughs> and uh, just imagine... Uh, eating a dinner with, with those two and the stories that they have, but they should, man. they should be forced to, to date. Oh, I'm sure they, <laughs> I'm sure they fooled around. I mean, there can't be many, <laughs> there can't be many 90 year old people in Hollywood to, to mingle with. But, um, so Stanley is my, my nominee. I love the public figure. I always like try to bring the public figure to the table and, um, interesting fact: His name is Stanley Martin Lieber and he shortened his first name to just Stan Lee. So, not his actual name. Oh. So interesting fact there. Um, nice. But Brian, Richard, did you vote? Richard, I didn't did you vote. vote? I don't know anything about him other than his cameos in Marvel films, ah. but he seems like an affable chap. <laughs> and so uh, I'm in. I'm not going to say no. Yeah. I mean, the guy freaking made Marvel comics. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> definitely just by X-Men. He's there. So I'm going to trust you guys on the Fantastic Four. Incredible. Yeah, thank God. The Hulk. Was- incredible. <laughs> What would we do without the Fantastic Four movies? Uh, I don't know <laughs> about the movies. That would come out. Is that out yet? It comes out this year, and it looks oh. this year. looks pretty uh, pretty interstellary. Pretty, <laughs> yeah. Who, who, oh, that's right. Who, what studios behind that? Is that Marvel proper or is no? It? It's Fox. No, it's Fox. Oh, it's yeah. Fox. Okay. It does have Miles Teller though, so things are looking up. Yeah, I'm still so confused on him. <laughs> I can't get that stupid movie out of my head from last summer. Yeah. Guess, guess who plays the thing? Uh, Michael Chiklis again, right? They just they <laughs> kept him. <laughs> Jamie Bell, probably the most buff guy in Hollywood. Oh wait, <laughs> Billy, actually the opposite. Billy Elliot himself. Yeah. <laughs> Where's his ballet shoes? Yeah. No, it's not. It's not the chick. 
No. Oh. No, it's not the No, chick. but she's brother and sister with Michael B. Jordan, so, you know. We'll see. Poor Michael B. Jordan. And they replaced, deserve better, they replaced B. Jessica Alba with Kate Mara, so we have that to look forward to. Same acting level. So. <laughs> I was going to say. A <laughs> lot less fun to look at, though, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, actually. I'd put them in the same ballpark. Yeah, from behind or from the side, <laughs> or what are we talking here? Uh, <laughs> just, they're both attractive girls. <laughs> Oh geez. So yeah, that's She does Mara though is who's beautiful. Has the world's smallest forehead. Next time you see her on TV, that's true. Just focus on how little her forehead is. It's she kind of has That's all I can look at. She kind of has mouse face to me. Does she not to you? Like isn't she the less attractive of the Maras? Like isn't Rooney Mara like number 1 and I think Mara's the other I, I go sister? the exact yeah, the opposite really? for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think Rooney got the acting talent and Kate got the looks. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. They both Nothing got the wrong money. Nothing with either of them. It's fine. Yeah, they're it's, both great. Yeah. Uh, and they're both very wealthy because their their parents own the Steelers and Giants. That's why the right. one's name is Rudy and Mara. Right. So Boom. keep getting them checks, Mara girls. <laughs> but when I said it isn't the chick, I meant uh, the chickless. Of course. It's, I'm still mad. So does Stanley get your vote? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm going to trust you guys on sense of humor, and I'm going to – Go with my own self on resume. He certainly has the resume. So okay, uh, well that's two out of three. And Brian, of course, your vote does not matter at this point. I voted gotta, before Richard did that. Yeah, oh, you did. I was okay. okay, Brian, what's your American treasure? All right, this is uh, this one may be controversial. I don't I don't know how you guys feel about this particular human being. So uh, I'm I'm stepping out on a limb here. And if he gets rejected, I'll just I'll sew in my own jacket out of for the last uh, time. John leather. Luke's booth is not. <laughs> <laughs> what about John Starks? Um, <laughs> okay, this I think this is kind of this guy is a, a a love him or hate him kind of guy. He he would belong in the public figure wing. Um, hey, but it, real real quick, Brian, if yeah. it was the playoffs, uh, John Starks would have missed Lincoln. Oh, totally. No <laughs> Just two for eighteen on his <laughs> on his shot attempts. Uh, okay, all right. This is so. Anyway, this is kind of stepping out on a limb. Uh, but it is March, and March brings with it the tournament and brings with it Dick Vitale. So I'm going to bring American Treasure Dick Vitale. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, bro. What do you think, Ken? You want me to make what? my case? Yeah, you can make your case, but go ahead. Okay. He He is kind of a love him or hate him kind of guy. So if you guys both just hate him, that's totally fine. I get it. I get it. He's got this that persona of his. It, it it was like a roller coaster for me, like in my early days as a basketball fan, and I just watch basketball all the time. That's all I do. If I'm not watching movies, I'm I'm watching basketball, and I I never talk to my wife or my child or or anything. But as a as a kid, I loved Dick Vitale because he just had so much enthusiasm, and that is so absent from sports broadcasting across the board for the most part. And then as I was like in high school and college, it just – he gets annoying and you become just kind of overwhelmed with his presence on every game that he does and every time he's on SportsCenter and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and as in my more recent years, I've come around on what an incredible ambassador he is for the game. It's to the point where it's like I don't even know if he's good on TV or not. Uh, it helps that I'm a Duke fan, so and he loves Duke, so it's pretty great uh, to be to watch a Duke game when he's calling it because he just 
he just will do anything he can to to praise Coach K and and the program and all that sort of stuff. But um, as an ambassador for the sport, I don't think there's anybody who's better than him in this in much the same way that John Madden is a great ambassador for football. Um, I don't know, like I said, if he's any good at, at calling his his sport anymore, but he's so great on the air. He's so much fun to me. He's got an incredible sense of humor about himself. I don't think that's up for debate. Uh, and he just, I don't know, he always comes across as a genuinely decent human being. I mean, you, if you were out at a bar with him, you'd, you'd have to wear earplugs, I would assume. But uh, he would be, I think he would be a lot of fun to, to be with. He's been in several films, if I need to uh, to cite his resume uh, including Hoop Dreams and uh, what's the oh uh, he got game and the Sixth Man the Wayans brother joint of course uh, Blue Chips anyway he's been in a lot of movies I, I think he qualifies on a lot of levels it may just come down to does he annoy the crap out of you guys right um well, let me speak up first or before Richard votes yes I'm yeah, on the I, fence so can, okay you can still okay you know what. My only hesitation is if if he didn't do play by play, he would be a hundred percent American treasure. But <laughs> sometimes when I'm watching college basketball and it's just in the background, it's like dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but if he was an analyst, if he was just a halftime guy or, you know, pregame, postgame analyst, I'd I'd probably be a hundred percent down with him. I think that it's not his fault that he's doing play-by-play, and you know he he probably had a better day than he has had recently doing sure. it, um, because his voice is just withering away by the minute. <laughs> yeah, but he screamed for forty years. You know, I love his personality and I love his passion, um, yeah. but you know, I I can't knock him for that because it's not like he can help his own voice. It's not like he chose that <laughs> voice. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's my Great only annoyance. Oh, Great total sense of humor. Sense of humor. Yeah. He always mocks himself for sucking as a coach, which I, I, I love. I love when he talks about how he, he was a, just a terrible basketball coach. And it always cracks me up. You know what? Yeah. I mean, and he's no Bill Walton. I'll say that no, as far no, as no. the color commentary oh. goes. But a great ambassador for college basketball, I will say that. And uh, like I said, passionate, very funny person, somebody I would definitely love to hang out with for a day, you know, have a beer with. Um, I need to look him up on Thuzio and see what he's he's running these days. (laughs) I'm sure we could throw a Mad About Movies listeners could throw some cash together and get a little Dick Vitale party going. I would attend that. But um, so that's my only hesitation. But I'm going to I'm going to have to. Uh, hear Richard's opinion before I cast my vote here. So, Richard, you have the floor. Yeah, it's just one's tough for me. Uh, I mean, I kind of went through the same phases as you, Brian, as a kid and then a young adult. I haven't come fully around on him mm. like you have. I definitely appreciate it. And Kent's point, oh, man, this is, a, this is a coin flip. Ken, I'm not. I'm not happy making the deciding vote. Is there any way you're willing to? What's it coming down to? You is it coming down to I'm really humor, or is it coming no. down to overall impact on uh, on pop culture? Yeah, movie definitely. maybe his movie roles. No, I will say this, and this might answer my question. He definitely is an AT on paper. The resume is there. I don't have any holes. It's just yeah. kind of a gut feeling. But you know what? This is a science, not an art. So I'm going to vote yes. If the resume is yeah. there, it's there. Yeah. 
you know, he does kind of go right along with the uh, American treasures we have, the, the Charles Barkleys and the Tony Kornheisers yeah, that well, we have, uh, and the on, James Carville. I mean, James Carville is a love. James Carville is a love him or hate him type of guy too. Um, sure. But he's one hundred percent at. The number one American treasure comment we get is that people just randomly add emails. We've had like four people do this. It's like, hey guys, love the show. Here's so uh, really thought uh, whatever Blake movie this this and that okay uh, by the way James Carville rules and it's like <laughs> always someone different and it's yeah. like yeah he does yeah he does rule uh, so you know what I'll have to agree and say um, American Treasure I, I can't knock the resume like I said he didn't choose his voice he didn't choose the fact that he's doing play by play I'm sure ESPN is like Dick. Get in there, I do play by play. Okay, whatever you guys say. Oh, this one of you want. TV, baby. Yeah, to go. But um, hold on. Diaper dandy. Hold on, Richard. Breaking news. Breaking news. Um, I'm on Thuzio. Okay. And Dick Vitale is on here, but Thuzio changed their format. No. I think things are getting a little tight for Tiki. Um, you now have to have a subscription that you pay for in order to see people's prices. No. Oh man. Gone too far, Tiki. Once again, <laughs> hopefully, what Michael Strahan just calls you and laughs every ten minutes. Yeah, what's going to happen now is somebody's going to step in and buy Thuzio, and then it'll suddenly become a great company just as soon as Tiki is out of the picture. If I can't get on there and see how much a brunch with former WCW star Sting <laughs> is going to cost, then Dude, I can't. Back. Live. I just can't live. Is he not back? Only, he's not only is he not. A, yeah, Sting is back in the WWE now. Funny story about Sting, just for a second. I was at Walmart the other day looking for a, a Blu-ray to purchase, which I did purchase, and it'll be my recommend later. But uh, I was looking at their deals, and they had like a a deal of Best of Sting on on Blu-ray for thirty nine ninety five on oh sale. Oh, my gosh. Such a good deal. I mean – Wow. There's no chance you could see any of that on YouTube for free. I mean, none of it. <laughs> Just all exclusive footage. Never before seen on yeah. uh, every yeah. uh, cable channel. You know, wrestling the is the most viewed sport on, on YouTube by quite a large margin. <sighs> Great country. A lot of ATs coming out of wrestling. Uh, I, there's a few. Dwayne Johnson there's... is well on his, well <laughs> yeah. on his way to He is. He might be status. there. He's pretty close. He's 25 close. years. He's yeah. pretty close. He's getting he's there. He's pretty close because if we count his University of Miami days, <laughs> he's there. Maybe in April, uh, right after we see Furious 7, will be our the next time we talk ATs. So maybe he'll, <laughs> he'll be he's he'll definitely be He'd be high on my list of ATs. Absolutely. And also um, Chris Jericho. For sure. <laughs> Just for regret. Chug, Chug, <laughs> you guys okay? Not Chris Benoit, oh, no? Sh- <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was a dark one. That got me. And that ends the segment. <laughs> I didn't even get it. Without no, further, I, without yeah, further if ado, you, if you bring up wrestling and it's not The Rock or Jericho, I don't. The thought of him as an American treasure is absurd. <laughs> <laughs> that is bad. Uh, well, speaking of bad guys, let's move on. Let's talk. Focus. <laughs> Great segue. You're a pro. At the end of the day, this is a game of focus. It's very confusing, isn't it? That's what you get when you hire a con. Okay, guys. Uh, this one's Ew. tough. This one features a person who I'm very fond of. A former American Treasure candidate 
mm-hmm. and Will Smith, who ended up not making, not getting voted in a couple of months back, and uh, for good reason. But um, I'm going to go ahead and throw a wrench in this and say, Richard Barden, thoughts on Focus? Wow, threw it at me early. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, it's a it's a very familiar movie to me. We talked about it before, just kind of jokingly in terms of quantity to Now You See Me, but there is some Now You See Me in here because of the film quality and the way they kind of present uh, trickery out in the world. It really wants to be out of sight, which I don't think is an original thing to think, but it really is super. It reminds me of one of those bad Denzel, Tony Scott movies. Like, not the good ones. He made a couple bad ones. Um Yeah. Like Nick of Time. Yeah, Deja Vu. <laughs> yes. Deja Vu was one. You know, it has kind of that feel to it. Um, there's parts that are fun where it's like, wow, I haven't seen Will Smith do this in a while. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instead of uh, walk around or sit in a spaceship that's wrecked for two hours and walk his creepy son through the woods. Still haven't seen it. Still haven't seen it. Um, oh, gosh, Don't spoil it. Just kidding. I'll never see it. It's okay. We- <laughs> but uh you don't know that I was talking about that movie. I that was uh no I'm kidding. But uh yeah, so it's a very familiar movie and it, a lot of it, the things it borrows from are good movies and fun movies and good things. Hold on. Oh go ahead, sorry. But it's like something like Out of Sight, which I think this really aspires to be, this sort of very sexy heist film. Um it's it it reminds me of Out of Sight, but like all it does then is make me compare it to out of sight and it just doesn't hold up it's not a very good movie high level we'll break into it more but uh wasn't a huge fan of this one yeah brian i think i'm gonna end up being higher on it than than both of you guys i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it's a good movie but i enjoyed it for maybe like 75 percent of it i guess um i have three three issues one there's definite scripting issues, and I'm a fan of these the guys that that wrote yeah, and directed me this. Too. And there's no way I can successfully pronounce those names, but Glenn Glenn Ficarra and Jean Requa, we'll go with that. Um, yep. Crazy Stupid Love is a movie that I really I really enjoy a lot, and it, is, it has grown on me over the last couple of years. I, I love that film. I thought Carell was great in that too. That was like the precursor to. Foxcatcher as far as like his performance standpoint goes. But anyway, I, I'm a fan of what they do. Um, I don't know. This script needed to be reworked. It needed to be tightened up. It gets, it has simultaneously like too much exposition in some parts and not nearly enough in other yeah. parts. And you just like get bogged down in like con man lingo that nobody knows what it is. And I'm sure <laughs> I'm going to guess it's mostly made up, but it's not, it doesn't quite work from a, from a comedic standpoint. And so you just kind of get bogged down. So that, that needed to be reworked. Um, number two, I love Will Smith and I am becoming a huge fan of Margot Robbie. She is awesome. And I thought she was really, really good in this. They don't work. They didn't work very well together. There wasn't a lot of chemistry between the two of them. And I felt like too much of the movie kind of hinged on whether or not you buy, especially the sexual chemistry between them. Um, you guys both said out of sight and that's spot on. Like it's trying really hard out of sight is like a really, 
is a re- for lack I don't like to use this term because it's just it it's so cliche and it gets overused I think but it's that's a really sexy movie mm-hmm. and uh, this is trying to be that and it doesn't quite get there because I just don't feel like those two work in that way together it just didn't it just didn't didn't hit for me and number three we have got to stop using sympathy for the devil in movies I am so sick and tired of that song coming up. Um, I even, <laughs> even in this one where it kind of like played into the plot, as soon as that, as soon as Rolling Stones kicked in, I was just like, okay, I'm out. Like I, it, it's such a checkout moment for me because it's too easy and it gets used way too often. So that's a small complaint, but, um, anyway, there, there, there's a, to me, there's a lot to like about it. And I admittedly am a major sucker for a con or a heist, uh, that's done even kind of well, um, because it, for whatever reason, I just find myself kind of getting lost in what's going on there and just enjoying the ride, even though a lot of it doesn't make sense. Again, it has to be done at least passably well, which is why we all hated Now You See Me because it wasn't done well at all. Well, uh, it was done but, great. <laughs> yeah, one way, the closer you look. So I guess they could have <laughs> fooled us. Um, so anyway, I, to me, there was a lot that I, I enjoyed quite a bit of it, more than I thought. I'll say this: it's it was better than what the trailer led me to believe it would be, and worse than it could have been. That's kind of my like summation of uh, how I feel about the, the the thing as a whole. I'm interested to hear um, what you found that there's uh, to like in here. Yeah, it sounds Guys. like you hated it, <laughs> man. <laughs> I just found this movie to be so so dumb, like. <laughs> And almost every level, uh, you know, I love Will Smith and that's basically all the good I can say about this is that Will Smith was in it. Will Smith's a cool guy. I want to hang out with Will Smith. That's, that's really it. I mean, so much of this, in my opinion, just reeks of desperation. This, there's no reason, none at all that this should be rated R. There's none. Other, they forced so much into this movie. Sure. Like you said, to make it sexy to make it edgy and uh you know we talked about kingsman a couple weeks ago and we said that the language didn't really bother us because it feels natural it doesn't here uh there's just so many sexual jokes made for no reason uh, for humor i know what the reason was to get a laugh of the audience uh, and for will smith to like go hard again yeah because she does every will smith is not um the will smith of men in black days he's He's going back to uh, you know yeah. adult movies now. They're, they they skipped out on a good t- ten or maybe twenty extra million dollars this past weekend by making this rated R. I, I mean, totally I honestly was sh- like, I went to the theater, purchased my ticket, was walking into the theater and looked at my ticket and saw that it said R on there. That's the first time I had heard that this was even a rated R movie. I was shocked at that, and. Um, there was nothing in this movie to justify that R rating. There's no violence really other than uh, towards the end, which we'll get into during spoilers. But this movie wants to be smart. It wants to be clever. Um, but the, <laughs> it never explains or successfully shows the audience any way that it is clever. Uh, for instance, there's a sequence uh, near the beginning where, Margot Robbie first kind of meets Will Smith and uh, Will Smith is sort of trying to show off how, how slick and sly he is, how he can use sleight of hand to, uh, to fool anybody. And 
you know, they're, they're face to face and he's sort of taking off her jewelry and, and stealing her wallet right in front of her as he's explaining it to it. But it's just them standing in front of each other. The camera doesn't move. And it's basically just Will Smith holding up objects as if there's like a box next to him with a wallet, with a, a watch, with a ring. You know, like if they could have shown like how he was actually taking these objects from her, maybe it would have been more believable to me as the audience. Like to me, it just looked like he was standing there literally with something in his hand, holding it up in front of her face. Oh, now I have a watch in front of you. You know, like it just it wanted to be smarter than it was. And then it came off and. You know, maybe it's like the directors couldn't find a, a clever way to shoot that scene. So they're just hoping that the audience can come up in, with their own way of, of how that, that would be done. But it just didn't work for me at all. And, you know, like the sexual stuff in this movie is just too heavy handed. It just it kills any rhythm there is. It's like one minute they're in a con and then 10 seconds later, they're jumping into bed. I mean, they're literally... Jump, they jump into bed. I counted it two, two minutes, 25 seconds into the movie. They're in bed. Uh, and he's making an R Kelly, <laughs> R, R Kelly, uh, joke. I don't even need, need to say any more than that to know <laughs> what that refers to. Um, but, uh, there's, there's some, some stuff in here that could have worked. And there's a sequence that in particular should have been the end. And it's the sequence that involves the uh, quote-unquote Super Bowl uh, that I think is the climax of the movie. And after that, it, it really sort of falls flat for me. But, I mean, the logic here is just hard to justify. I see what it was going for. I like Will Smith. And you know what? I really am interested in this subject matter. I think like the pickpocketing black market culture is super interesting. And it deserves something better than this in my opinion, like this is like Richard said, trying to be something really cool and fun. It just, it just didn't work for me. So Richard, where did this movie not work for you specifically? Yeah, I think a lot of it was in Brian's right with the pacing of the script. Um, and, but here's what I'll say to that. I can't really tell though, because you're right, Kent, in terms of, the kind of jarring weird chemistry between, or maybe it was you, Brian, that said that between Robbie and Smith, mm. sometimes it like, I can't, couldn't really tell if some of the script pacing issues were because of just that sort of stilted thing they were doing or because of the actual script. Like, I wonder if the script, yeah. the jokes would have worked better with better timing. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Totally. So like, I can't really blame, I'm going to assign both 50% blame because it's hard, you know, the, 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 the stuff that does work in here works so well that it makes me trust the screenwriters. Um, but then Margot Robbie and Will Smith are, I trust them too. So <laughs> as performers, they've been, uh, you know, pretty consistent in, uh, over a long period of time and short period of time, uh, respectively. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really weird movie in terms of the pacing of the dialogue. And you're right. Kent, like it really wanted to be smart with that quippy, uh, dialogue thing, but, all that did was really expose how bad that dialogue was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It really did. So, yeah. But good news, though, uh, the uh, this directorial team, their next movie, Brian, you know what it is? Uh, no. It is a – I'm serious. You're actually going to be excited. It's a Robert Carlock uh, scripted movie, so the co-showrunner uh, co of 30 Rock. Nice. And it stars Tina Fey and Martin Freeman. Oh. And it's a romantic comedy of two journalists falling in love. Uh, in the Middle East. 
Fantastic. Okay. So in. these guys will be back, I think. Yeah. These direct, Glenn Ficara, John Riquet or whatever. Yeah. And um, Brian, I want to get more specifically into sure. your uh, dislikes first, and we'll get into your likes later. Yeah. But what I mean, did I you think dislike? it really just – in a lot of ways, I just think – a lot of this hinges on I don't think Will Smith is the right guy to be in this movie. And he com- and I love Will Smith. He just comes across to me as an actor who is above the material that he's in and he's just kind of slumming it. And that it I think that's part of what messes up the chemistry because he I don't know. Will Smith is such a big movie star that if he's doing a movie like this He's not really acting. He's just being a movie star in a movie. And that's that's really not his fault. Um, there's plenty of – there's other guys that probably fall into that same that same role. But whereas like a guy like Clooney – Clooney's a huge movie star. I feel like every time Clooney's in a movie, I feel like he's the only guy who can play that role. With this, I just kept thinking, you know, this would probably be better with like Idris Elba. Or, or somebody else in that role because it just felt like he felt too big for what was happening on the screen, and he yeah, felt it's too big. It's a February heist movie. Yeah, the, the biggest movie yeah. star in the world. Like Tom Cruise wouldn't do this. No, no, and it, it, he felt too big for 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 Margot Robbie, honestly. And and uh, we'll get into specifics on what I liked in a minute. But but to you know, spoiler alert: Margot Robbie's fantastic, and I really liked her in this movie. It's just. He was not – he just probably isn't the right person to play this role. And that I think – I'm not saying the movie would have been you know, an A-plus if they would have gotten that right because A, it wouldn't ha- – I'm, I'm assuming this movie doesn't happen if you don't have Will Smith in the lead or at least isn't getting a big release because that's kind of how Hollywood works. But, um, you know, but in, regardless, there's a lot of you know, issues that we've discussed already, scripting issues and dialogue and it's – it needs to be more comedic than it is. Uh, to work, I think for a con to work, it either has to be really, really gritty and serious, or it has to be um, funny and light, the way Ocean's Eleven or The Sting can be at times. Um, for it to really work, that's what it needs. It doesn't. It doesn't have that. So anyway, it has all these issues, but I think the biggest one is just that Will Smith doesn't fit within this within this movie, and I think it kind of throws off all the other elements of the film that might have come together a little bit better without him in there. And, and again, I hate saying that because I love Will Smith and I'm, I was just stoked to see him in a movie. Cause it's been, I mean, after earth, I guess is the last movie we saw him in, but that was so bad. It's been, I don't even know when the last movie was that he made. That was something that I, that I kind of enjoyed like 2009, maybe. I mean, it's been forever. So, uh, I was glad to, to see him. Pursuit of happiness, maybe work. Pursuit oh, of happiness. Six. I think seven pounds is the last movie he did. Before oh. After Earth, I'm, I'll look it up. But I, I'm on it. Anchorman Two, yeah. Oh, Men in Black, <laughs> Men in Black Three, three. Men in Black Three. It was Hancock guys, Hancock. No, Ugh. but it's it's been a while. So and I love Hancock. I love seeing him on screen. And there there were moments where it felt like he's kind of starting to get his groove back. And then there were times when I felt like he looked like he was 65 years old, and that he just looked like he was in pain, almost kind of slumming to this this uh, lower level sort of sort of picture. So I don't know, man, this, uh, he, I think he throws off some parts that might have turned out a little better if somebody else is in that, in that role. 
I'm just waiting for the Legend of Bagger Vance sequel to eventually <laughs> come out. Still cross my fingers for that. Or maybe Shark Tale. Shark Tale would, <laughs> Shark would Tale. maybe Jeez. maybe trump that. And uh but he is in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Coming out. Uh he plays Deadshot, so he's returning to the the DC comics universe. So look forward to that, fellas. Um also Bad Boys That has 3. the best chance though, I think. Yeah. Of of all the DC properties, I feel oh, like yeah. that one has the best chance. Like that no I question. I'm kind of behind them making that movie. Like, hey, that's smart. That's I am too. a Absolutely. unique take on something. But Margot Robbie plays Harley Quinn, so looking forward to that. No, legitimately. Mm. Um and Jared Leto as the Joker could be cool too. But that's yeah. another conversation. David Ayer. So I'm I'm on board yeah. for Suicide Squad. And I'm glad that he's doing that Will Smith is doing that because that's the type of movie that he just straight wouldn't do a few years ago. And so maybe – I don't know if it's desperation. I don't think it's desperation. I think it's maybe recalibrating what um, his career should look like. Yeah. I hope it is. I hope he, that's what it is because he's a very talented actor Not, and, and, and a movie star. And those two things don't always go hands in, hand in hand. I read an, um, I read an Esquire piece on him. A uh, cover story was on him this past month, and he said that After Earth literally like made him rethink his entire life. <laughs> like, <Good>. uh, he, <laughs> I mean, he felt so bad about that movie. Not the fact that he was in it, but the fact that he led his son to that property too. And like, it, it was both. He he's the reason that people were hating on his son because of it, you know. And he said uh, that next weekend. Uh, that next Monday that, that After Earth came out, he got the call that it flopped and literally went downstairs in his house and started running on the treadmill to like burn off steam. And he got the call while he was on the treadmill that his dad got cancer. Mm. So like that was literally the worst thing that could ever happen to a person was After Earth and then that happening to him. So uh, he like re, re- thought his entire trajectory as an actor he was wondering i mean he cares a lot i mean i know it's it's not obvious but i mean he really no, he, totally. he wants to be the number one actor in the world and he he's made that very clear he he doesn't know why he fully admits he's like why do i care that my movies are number one like why does he care so much he doesn't know um but after after uh, after earth he told himself i'm gonna stop caring about that like i'm gonna do what i want to do and screw it if it doesn't make the money it should make or has made has a, the money I have made in the past because um, he's a new person now. Like that's literally the reset button of his careers after Earth. Good. So, so that's good. Maybe maybe brighter days to come for Will Smith. Hopefully, and um, you know, Emrain's to be seen. Of course, he said no to like the Independence Day sequel, and you know, like prior to After Earth, I would have thought he would do another Independence Day sequel. You know, like like he did a Men in Black three and stuff like that. You know, I I, I feel like he would uh, would have maybe been on on board for that. But uh, you're right, you're right, Brian. Uh, this could have been somebody else. Should have been somebody else. Maybe concussion um, is gonna could be a big another dramatic piece for. Him. Oh yeah, he, yeah. it's a guy who uh, discovered CTE. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he he Him just Baldwin, finished that. Yeah. Albert Brooks. So that's you know two ATs. That's later this year. So maybe one yeah. we'll be talking about. And uh, potential AT Paul Reiser, Brian, is in that. <laughs> and Michael Definite Malley. Yeah. Oh, my what? gosh. Michael Malley uh, is in it. Right after yes. Paul Reiser. Oh, what was Paul Reiser in this past year that we all loved? He was in something. Whiplash. Yeah, he was in Whiplash. He played uh, Miles Teller's dad. Dad, yeah. Man, 
Gala, Paul Reiser. Um, he just wants his DVDs to be out there. Bro. We named our show after his sitcom. I mean, how much more love can you get? <laughs> yeah, that's true. He should be just a, an AT right away. We'll we'll uh, spin this off into a Paul Reiser specific podcast if you guys so demand. <laughs> uh, let's talk more about specifics, uh, sequences of this movie, guys. Um, there, this movie's really set up between three main heist sequences. Uh, one at the beginning that centers around Mardi Gras, and uh, this I had to really suspend my belief with this sequence where Margot Robbie is sort of ripping off people in the Mardi Gras parade. And there's nothing really sly about what she was doing here. That's my only issue. Like she's she's got a light touch, Kent. She's, she's grabbing a wallet touch. with chopsticks, which I don't know how she knew where the wallet was in, in the first place, but grabbing it and then literally throwing it 20 yards to her accomplice, you know, like nothing sly about what she's doing because there's literally 10 other people working with her on the street. So I don't know how uh, in the real world this would have worked, but it made for an interesting, I guess, sequence idea. You know, how did this, did this work for you, Brian? Was this one of the highlights? It was fine. Uh, You know, (laughs) I've seen that kind of thing done in, plenty of other movies before so yeah. it, it wasn't that difficult for me to to you know suspend my disbelief or whatever and just kind of roll with it um you know it it did it was fine it was fine you know what i will say and just to compare it to now you see me a little bit this movie was so much better directed and camera work and all that than now you see me ever Absolutely. could dream yeah. of being you know i didn't find any of this jarring like I did, I found their shot selection to be fairly decent. You know, I think um, the set design was good. Costume design was all really cool and everything. And um, so I had no issues with that. Totally. In fact, I found myself enjoying that the most out of anything in this movie. But I think the logic really, really just bugged me here. And let's move on to the sequence with the Super Bowl. And... uh this could, I, like I said before, could be argue. It's arguable that this is the uh, the climax of the movie, and uh, there's a seed of a good idea here, but I just don't think there, there was a part of it where it really, really made me mad. So I'll get y'all's opinion on this sequence first uh, beforehand. But Brian, was this the was this the one that you liked the Super Bowl uh, with B D Wong Super Bowl sequence? I, I did enjoy the sequence. It one of the things that it did that I think a lot of films would fail at that it, that I think it pulled it off that scene, it stretched on too long. Right. And I, I had this moment of like, okay, we've got to get out of this sequence because it's, it's just going too, too long and too far and I'm, I'm losing it. And then it paid it off with that last bet. I felt I, it worked for me. I thought it was fun. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Um, but it, it made it, it, I don't know. The payoff for that long 15, 20 minute buildup worked for me. And you're right. Like, that probably would have been a better climax to a movie than the end of the first act or second act, I guess. But, uh, but it did, as far as the, the con goes and the way that they set it up, I enjoyed it. I didn't have a problem with it. Richard? Yeah, like we were saying before the podcast, though the the thing about this, I'm trying to. Th- it's 
I'm trying to piece it together because it's so not memorable. I was really watching this in the theater like I was watching a movie on TV while I got ready. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like very passively watching this and it's sad when it's the first time you've seen something. Um, but yeah, I, the thing is, is that like I didn't really feel that the the kind of different cons really grew each time. There were just kind of three. I mean, obviously yeah. the scale of the Super Bowl it was like they didn't get really any more complex. It was just kind of like three segments. Sure. Or whatever it was. So, uh, but yeah, it was fine. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, how many movie heists can we have? They're all essentially the same way. But this one didn't, didn't really. It's not memorable at all. Yeah, there's a couple issues I had with it. One, the sympathy for the devil being played yeah. in the yeah. actual suite itself. Which I work in the NFL. I've never seen a suite where you can just play music as you choose <laughs> during a football game. That's a separate issue. I guess they really had to find a way to force sympathy for the devil into this scene. I don't understand what what Woo Woo had to do with anything, you know, because Will Smith tries to play it off like the, it says Woo Woo 126 times in the song Sympathy for the Devil. Like, what does that have to do with, with it the means, uh, the at all? I don't remember what he said, but like, he he said something about whatever that means in Mandarin or something. Woo means something in Mandarin that would lead him to want to bet more and more or something like oh, that. Oh, is Woo like five in Mandarin? <laughs> maybe. So yeah, maybe. Would be I think five, that, five? that might have been what it is. Yeah, I think that might be what it is, honestly. Okay, that makes, yeah. I guess, sense. Yeah, because they went but, through that whole thing where he was like, we showed him 55 over and over and over again, and that was part of that. So Yeah, and this is what I want to talk about. You know, the part where I was just like, no, 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 is when BD Wong turns around. And uh, first of all, the, like you said, scene goes on way too long. I felt like this might be the end of the movie when I was watching it. I was like, <laughs> is it really going to be an hour and 10 minute movie? Uh, yeah. If so, awesome. Cause I want to leave, but uh, yeah, it, it goes on way too long. And then Will Smith gets fed up. Uh, he keeps doubling down. He wants his money. And uh, they start, you know, they, of course, betting on things that happen during the game. I, I just, I've never seen somebody, a woman walk up a, a flight of stairs at a football game and like nine guys like <laughs> physically turn their bodies to look at a what? okay attract. Oh, that's just the most objectifying like stereotype of a, the, a male sports fan that I've ever seen. But uh, that's not my main complaint. Um, when... Basically, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, and uh, this is sort of spoilery, so if you haven't seen the movie, don't keep listening past this point, because this will spoil one of the, I guess, if there's an enjoyable moment in this movie, this is it. So I don't want to spoil it for you, you, so turn it off right now. Turn us off. Now. Do it. Uh, I was say something bad about your family. Basically, Will Smith says, you know, turn around and... uh, find a player on the field and we'll get you which player you choose. And uh, he's like, what? That's a hundred. That's a one in 100 chance. Okay. So he does it. And of course he picks his player. He turns around to Will Smith, Margot Robbie and says, I've picked my player. Do you want me to write it down? And Will Smith's like, Nope, I trust you. I was like, no, no, (laughs) like write it down. What's that going to hurt anything? Like, why, why, why not write it down? Why? High stakes gambling, Kent. I don't. (laughs) But what's writing it down going to, 
Like, couldn't... Ah. So Margot Robbie goes, and uh, Will Smith's like, no, I'll let her choose. <gasps> a woman choosing a sports athlete? That can't happen. Um, but it does, and she chooses um, her friend who has, uh, I guess, snuck onto the field in the Super Bowl as a player, and uh, and he's number 55. And so she chooses number 55, and uh, B.D. Wong, for some reason... Even though it's going to cost him two point four million dollars, admits that uh, she was in fact correct, and she picked the same player he did. And of course, as Brian mentioned earlier, uh, the whole con was that Will Smith and his crew had brainwashed this guy for the entire weekend into seeing the number fifty-five all around town. Subconsciously, have um, embedded the number fifty-five into his mind, which cool idea a cool seed for an idea and something that is actually probably practiced by cia officers and and crazy cycle and uh, no um psycho spies and all that um men men who uh speak with goats or whatever it's called what's that movie <laughs> the men who stare at goats, men, men who stare at goats type stuff but it didn't really uh it wasn't believable for me like I mean, I understand it, but if you're B.D. Wong, why would you pick the n- most obvious number? Like, if you're trying to win $2.4 million, wouldn't you, in in a real-world scenario, pick the the least obvious number to you? Doesn't that make sense? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, but, th- but that's the whole thing, is that, I mean, whether it works or not, it, it doesn't to you. But for, you know, as far as the con goes in the movie... yeah. That's the whole point is that they basically chose the number that he was going to pick so that they could win the bet. Right. And uh, so brings us to our uh, last scene, which is felt like a separate movie in itself. Felt like the sequel to Focus uh, crammed into this one movie in which Will Smith wants to rip off an IndyCar company and uh, sell an algorithm for fuel burning efficiency. And uh, so did this work for you at all, Brian? It was definitely at a point, I mean, that, and because it, it lasts for, it's, you know, that last act takes a while to yeah. unload. So that's, that didn't help. It, it was fine. I don't, once he finally got down to the point of we're going to do the con, we're going to pull the con, it went pretty fast and it worked, it worked okay. It just, we had to get. And almost an hour, I don't know, maybe a half hour of setup of him reacquainting himself with Margot Robbie and, and all that sort of stuff. So it was fine. I'm not going to say that it was like I'm just loving every second of this movie, you know, or something like that. But it was. Yeah. It didn't bother me. It was fine. Um, what didn't really – what was hard for me to suspend my – suspend my belief was a bit was the fact that the Owens character, Gerald McRaney – was in on the con the entire time. Once again, we're in spoilers here, but this was almost Ruffalo. Now you see me level. Yeah. What the F, you know, like I just don't, I mean that whole sequence where he busts in on Will Smith's room and, uh, Margot Robbie sort of jumping around the room, which, um, was one of my favorite parts of the movie as she's trying to avoid being detected by him. And, uh, the, the antagonist, um, that he is supposedly is in the movie, but uh, when the reveal comes out at the very end that he's actually uh, Will Smith's dad, 
so to speak, and that he's behind this the whole time. I just don't – I hate that trope in a movie where, oh, the guy you thought was bad is now good. You know, I mean, how many more movies are we going to get where that is the case? I mean, it's just – it was so obvious to me. Like as soon as that scene happened, I was like, oh, he's going to be good at the end. And when he shot Will Smith, um, I sort of was backtracking on that thought. But when he started started to resuscitate him there, uh, you know, of course, that's when the reveal happens. But I just felt it felt like such a cheap reveal to me. And this was a movie that was packed with so many unbelievable sequences to begin with. That it's like they're just throwing another one at you at the end, just for the, just for the sake to do it. And um, you know. That was sort of a a complaint for me, but did that I'll work say for you? that that worked for me because I feel like they called their shot early on. Like he sets up in the early stages of of that film, he he's talking to Margot Robbie about uh, the the con that they pull the Toledo hat box or something like that. That whatever they call that bit where he shoots, you know, you shoot your partner and all that sort of stuff. I they set it up two or three times throughout the uh, the first couple of first couple of acts and I, so I felt like it it was a decent payoff and I the thing that drove me most crazy about Mark Ruffalo and now you see me is that Mark Ruffalo did not need any of those people to to pull the the bit that he did so there was no point in the entire movie existing <laughs> because Mark Ruffalo can just do magic so it doesn't it doesn't matter um this one it felt more I'm not it wasn't great, but it, it did feel like like him walking around the room and all that stuff, it puts it in a different light to me rather than just that's just a that's just a fake scene, basically. Which that that also drives me nuts. When it, in a movie like this, if somebody if there's twists and turns towards the end, you have to reconsider the entire process to get to that point and and decide whether or not this sort of thing worked. And for me that 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 scene played initially as here's the here's the boss's henchman trying to get the you know get the dirt on the the whippersnapper that they hire that he doesn't like and all that sort of stuff and after the fact it plays more as here's the disapproving father going to chastise his son and from a different standpoint so i'm not gonna look it doesn't it's not great it doesn't work a hundred percent but i didn't hate that that twist and turn and i thought that for a movie of this kind of it's not great it's nothing it's never it's nothing that we're going to remember it's nothing that you're going to write home about for that low level of a movie to to call it shot that early on in the movie and pull it off with at least a little bit of flair i'm i'm gonna give it kudos for that i felt like it worked out all right compared to what could have happened for sure what what the bad (laughs) the bad that could have come out of that type of situation yeah the the reveal prior to that where will smith tries to play it off like this was all because of margot robbie's necklace and she embedded a necklace into the uh uh what's his name garriga oh yeah something like that into garriga's room and that this necklace somehow had the ability to record keystrokes of a keyboard as if keyboard keystrokes register different tones like a like a phone would, you know? Like, how could sure. you tell the difference between a period and a letter M, like, on a keyboard? There's no way through audio to be able to do that. So uh, the fact that they wiped that clean, he was like, just kidding, that didn't really happen. 
I respected that because I was about to walk out of the theater like <laughs> if that's how they pulled off this last heist was an audio device where that records audio of a keyboard and that's how he figured out a password. I was about to lose control. So I'm glad that that was a lie. He admitted it. Um, so that was kind of funny actually that, uh, they, they tried that because most people would believe that and be like, okay, cool. All right. See you later. Show me the sequel, you know? (laughs) And so uh, maybe they were making fun of themselves, a little self-awareness there at the end. So I appreciate that. But, um, so yeah, uh, let's move on to grades guys. We've, we talked a lot about this one. I just, I'll say again, a lot of unnecessary stuff in here could have been toned down a lot. Could have yeah. been more fun than it was. Took itself way too serious, in my opinion. And uh, so I'm going to give this one uh, a straight D minus. Doesn't get an F minus, minus, minus. Uh, not that bad, but uh, don't really want to see it again. Will Smith really brought it up, in my opinion. And Margot Robbie, I enjoy her. So, you know, props to them for being in this film. Uh, that's really all of the good I can say about it. But man... This was just so dumb. So D minus, Brian. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go uh, quite a bit higher. I, I like, I enjoy a good con or even a passable con. Uh, I thought Margot Robbie was fantastic, and I'm so excited about what her career is gonna look like, look like moving forward. She does. We should have talked more about her, but she does. She takes roles that I would not expect her to take. She comes across much. She's she's much better than I kind of think that she will be. Every time I've seen her in a movie up to this point, I kind of think, eh, she is very pretty, but I just don't expect much from her as an actor because she seems like she's going to be playing a dumb blonde kind of role. And that's that's on me. It's not, you know, anyway, she always is so good in whatever she's doing. So I'm excited to see what she's doing moving forward. Anyway, I, I enjoyed a decent con. I thought Will Smith brought it down a little bit, but I like seeing him on screen one way or the other. Um, it needs to be edited. The script needs to be uh, hemmed in a little bit and changed in some parts. Uh, but if this comes on TNT on the TNT cycle at some point, I'm not gonna lie. I might watch it a couple of times. Like I don't, I didn't hate it in a lot of ways. So I'll go B minus. Richard, I'm gonna do uh, kind of in the middle, but a little more towards. Kind of, I'm gonna go D plus. Man, I don't Brian, think I'd ever give it a D plus. Shocked, shocking that you like this more than Kingsman. Unbelievable. Oh, not, yeah. Well, you know, King, I, I I love the TNT version of Kingsman. Yeah. <laughs> I I got you there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but surprising still, nonetheless. But that's why that's why we do the podcast. Um, put it all out yeah. there. I'll say this: Kingsman is Kingsman is probably a better movie, just from a personal standpoint. I don't like it nearly as much. Yeah, you didn't enjoy it as much. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on. Let's hit a recommend. Weekly recommends. I teased it a little bit earlier in the episode. Um, I'm sort of on a journey to watch some of the greatest films of all time and uh, put myself in a position where I can purchase and maintain my respect for some of the greatest films of all time. And... Of course, no debate about it. One of the greatest films of all time is Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. And I purchased it on DVD, uh, Blu-ray, actually, this past week and rewatched it. And, man, talk about a good thriller. Man, this is... Uh, Vince Vaughn is awesome in this movie. 
<laughs> Not the Gus Van Sant uh, shot for shot remake of <laughs> Julian Moore. Fantastic. Uh, and Hayes, though. I mean, that yeah, performance. she's the glue. She's just. Um, no, the original hit, uh, Psycho is just a masterpiece. Uh, you know, it really feels new every single time you watch it. And such an inventive movie. Uh, not only the fact that the story is great, it's a really, really uh, clever uh, mystery crime thriller. But, I mean, the, the camera work and the shot selection is so inventive, and, and Hitchcock is just a masterwork. I mean, he's just a, uh, a master at his craft, and you know, I can't suggest it enough. If you haven't seen Psycho, it's, it's one of the top 50 movies of all time on pretty much all lists you'll see. You have to see it. It's worth purchasing it for nine bucks on Blu-ray like I did and keeping it on your shelf. It's not that scary. You know, this movie was made in the 60s. So it's not one that's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. It's not very gory. It's more of a thriller than it is a yeah, horror film. Suspense. Uh, it's suspenseful. And uh, it's a real good mystery. You know, the, a lot happens in the first act, in the, the beginning of the second act. But most of the film is is dedicated to finding out what happened and who is behind what happened. So see this movie. See Psycho. Um, can't suggest it enough. It's a, it's a 100% um, a recommend for me. And, you know, maybe this will get spun off eventually into a podcast where we talk about classic films, you know, the, the best films of all time. I've always wanted to do that. Maybe do a throwback episode on Psycho someday if we get the, ever get the chance to because it deserves a conversation, which I'd like to have at some point. But watch the movie. It's not on Netflix or anything, unfortunately, but worth a purchase. Just for a one-time viewing, it's worth a $9 purchase. So do it. Um, and there's also a great documentary on the Blu-ray where they, you know, a couple hours of documentary stuff and behind the scenes footage and all that uh, good stuff on there. If you, if you're into that sort of thing. So Alfred Hitchcock psycho is my recommend Brian. I got, yeah, I'll second that by the way. Psycho is a fantastic movie. One of the best movies of all time. Um, I got on a little bit of a documentary kick last week and uh, I'll probably bring up a couple of them over the next, the next few weeks, but uh, I watched a movie that I think you recommended at some, or at least that you'd seen, Kent, at some point uh-huh. or another, uh, called Dinosaur Thirteen. Yeah, that's about uh, in the early '90s, a group of uh, paleontologists discovered a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton or fossil, excuse me, and it was the it's still to date the most complete uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex fossil that's ever been found. It's like eighty percent complete. And uh, excavated it, started the process of uh, of cleaning it up and, and making it look the way it's supposed to look and, and all that stuff. This long, two-year, drawn-out process and uh, found themselves in the midst of a pretty nasty lawsuit. And uh, between the U.S. government and uh, the person whose land they took the, the fossil off of and, uh, and also – the native American tribe that lived in the area as well, that claimed it for themselves. It's a really interesting movie. Um, I wish it was on Netflix. I'm sure it will be soon. Cause a lot of documentaries end up on Netflix at some point. Uh, but it was so cool. And it is kind of, if you're a, uh, if you're a conspiracy theorist, which I'm not, but if you are somebody who, uh, doesn't trust the government at all, like this will feed your, your, uh, your attitudes, I think. Cause it, it really came, comes across like, 
these guys really got hosed by the United States government. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it's just kind of, it really stinks, but it's a really cool story. And at some point it will make, if somebody wanted to make a, like a feature length movie about it based off of it, I think it could make a really interesting film. Uh, so check out dinosaur 13 and, uh, and I'm sure it'll be on Netflix soon, but if not, you can get it on any other service. And it's worth the three or four bucks that you've got to pay to, to rent it. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Speaking of documentaries and not trusting the government, have you seen Citizen Four yet, Brian? I haven't watched it yet. I'll get around to it eventually. You need to. That's, that's one you'll yeah. probably recommend uh, sometime too. Uh, Richard, recommend. Hello? Yep. He looks like he's gone. He's out of here. Uh, he no, I was just on mute, just talking like an idiot. Uh, I had a sneezing feet fit and muted, and then I forgot to unmute. Um, so anyway, uh, a follow-up on a Brian Gill uh, recommend. Yeah. Uh, the Kurt Vonnegut documentary The uh, is three is well now $200 away. Wow. Nice. Or $2,000 away with six days left. Fantastic. So, Come on. And it just went up. So it's going it's going it will probably be done here in the next couple hours. So it looks like they've raised uh they've raised enough money. So that's exciting. Sweet. Yeah, two thousand and twelve dollars away. So uh that's uh, go over there and uh donate to that. Should be a really cool documentary. My weekly recommend is simple. It's it's Last Man on Earth. Yes. Yeah. Did you like it? I loved it. And it, but I can't be trusted because I love him too much. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, but Sarah really liked it. You so. know what? It. I just want to say, as far as comedy pilots are concerned, it might be the best one I've ever seen. Like it's just from a first episode of a series. Like I, I don't think there's ever been this much hype for one episode of a comedy series ever. I mean, literally. Yeah. Go on Twitter, and every other tweet is about Last Man on Earth. Like I'm not even kidding. <laughs> It was it was unbelievable the support and the the amount of talk that this thing generated was incredible and um, like I said, Will Forte is going to be booked solid for the next five years because of this thing. I hope he knows that what he got himself into. But I mean, Chris yeah. Ward and uh, or Chris Phil, Mil- Phil, Phil Ward, Ward and Chris, Chris Miller, Miller. Yeah. Um, are of course great guys who who have brought us some great stuff in the past with. 21 Jump Street and Lego Movie, et cetera. But man, they they really know what they're doing, and I'm glad they brought a TV show. And it just so happened to freaking star Will Forte. So how lucky are we? Right. You know? Yeah. But it I got mean, good it was ratings really too. I, yeah. I'm interested to see how it does next week and the week after because that it is it was hyped enough to where you 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 got to expect the numbers will come down a little bit. I just hope that it's a a small decrease, not a big drop off. Yeah, I loved it, and I did too. I did um, too. I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. You know, I was hoping he would commit murder in the second episode of the little thing. <laughs> and for those of you who've seen it, might agree with me there. Oh, and I think that might be coming. It's so perfectly. Gosh, they're playing it so well. Yeah. With with that, the bit that got that cracked me up the most, and it's such a small thing, and it's all forte. It's the way he does it. The second, and this is spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it, but the second time that he. <laughs> that he uses the gun to shoot out a window to go and talk to the mannequin. I don't know what it was. It was just the, the uh, abrasive nature in which he just whipped out this gun and shoots out a window that I just yes. died laughing. It, it killed me. <laughs> when the, I love the self-awareness of him watching Castaway 
mm-hmm. making fun of Castaway and then be like, that's ridiculous. That would never happen. <laughs> and then like cut th- four scenes later, he's talking to like 20 different uh, sports balls. He's like, you know what? I just want to publicly apologize to Tom Hanks and all the people that made Castaway because they were dead on. <laughs> you guys are the best friends I could ever have. Like that just was so funny to me. And uh, the, the part that made me laugh actually the most was uh, when he was bowling with the fish tanks and yes. he like loaded the back of the truck up with uh, bowling balls and uh, and like slammed on the brakes stuff. and the, they basically stacked fish tanks up like bowling pins. I thought that was hilarious too. But I like the one just the stuff he acquired from all the yes. great museums. Yes. And he has a couple Oscars and yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm I'm a really I'm really excited to see where it goes. I want to know where all the bodies are. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, that's true. I'm intrigued as well. All right, guys, we've said it all. I think this week. Yeah, uh, I like that we talked more about Focus than we did Birdman or Boyhood or any of like the <laughs> great movies that came out last yeah, year. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but that's sort of how it goes sometimes. <laughs> Next week's film we'll be talking about is Chappie, Chappie. Uh, Neil Blomkamp's Chappie, and we have a, a conversation to be had about. Neil Blomkamp's future and the Alien franchise and, and other things. So see Chappie this coming weekend and uh, be uh, excited for our, our podcast episode next week. And uh, so, Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12. You can find my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden or the all-new RichardBarden.com. Uh-huh. Where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and find all of our episodes on our website at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. And if you like what you hear, of course, donate to the show, donate to the cause at our website, and uh, leave us five stars on iTunes. And on that note, until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.